This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. This is Eric Piper, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe Matt. You did a little, like, rap arm flourish thing, too. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Sort of break it, break it down like good. Welcome to episode 57 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news. The week of Wednesday, March 9th. And as always, we'll be reading your tweets while we do so, if we get any. Yeah! So remember to tweet us at Two-Headed Nerd on the Twitter. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not proudly announcing that I did finish Mass Effect 2, just in time for 3 to come out, and Ray Ray Shepard got everyone out alive. You named him Ray Ray? Ray Ray. <laughs> I'm writing about and appraising comics for WordPoint.com. He is a beautiful black man with white hair, by the way. <laughs> and I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online. And when I'm not looking for apartments as far away from my workplace, friends, and heterosexual life mate Matt Baum as possible, I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Nobody wants to live in Bellevue. This week, we'll hear reviews of... a su- nice place. Nobody wants to live there. This week, you'll hear reviews of Superbia number one and Green Arrow number seven. After that, we'll review ten comics at speeds guaranteed to tear off your pants in the ludicrous speed round, and then we'll pay a visit to the Sanctum Sanctorum, where the currently raging solar storms combined with our enchanted blue blocker sunglasses will allow us to discuss the future of next week's comics. And finally... DJ and I play the part of the creepy professor having inappropriate relations with our nerdy students as we answer your questions in our monthly Ask a Nerd segment. Oh, boy, buckle up. But before we get to all the potentially protest-worthy ad revenue-killing personal insults, let's take a second to gently wipe away Peyton Manning's tears and reassure him that everything is going to be okay. Unless he becomes a chief. If that happens, I'm going to kill him in his sleep. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. XO Manowar was just the beginning. For months, fans have been waiting to hear what beloved characters would be joining XO Manowar in the Valiant Universe's big relaunch, and now the wait is over. All this week, the publisher has been releasing teaser images featuring the slogan, The Summer of Valiant is Coming. Joining XO will be a new Harbinger series launching in June by Unknown Soldiers Joshua Dysart and Kyrie Evans. I think it's Hardbringer. (laughs) Hardbringer. Pretty sure it's Hardbringer. Carrie Evans, artist of Marvel's 2006 Daughters of the Dragon miniseries, which I loved, armed with the tagline, Read Minds, Ben Steele, and Break All the Rules. What the hell does that mean? Valiant offered a short description of the series, quote, Skipping across America in a desperate attempt to stay ahead of the authorities, Peter Stanchek is learning that he's much more than an out-of-work and on-the-run teenager, he is, in fact, a psionically-powered Harbinger. Hardbringer! With the potential to change the course of human history. Now, respected philanthropist and fellow psionic Toyo Harada has come to guide Peter out of harm's way and teach his new pupil what it truly means to wield power. But Harada isn't as charitable as he might seem, and the repercussions of these two superhuman Hardbringers, hardbringers. coming face-to-face might shatter the very planet he hopes to save. That was awesome. Wednesday's teaser promised the return of Bloodshot in July with the tagline, Every mission is a suicide mission. <laughs> and Friday, Valiant announced Birds of Prey writer Dwayne Swarzynski and penciler Manuel Garcia would be handling creative duties. Finally, Archer and Armstrong makes its return in August. Its tagline, BC meets ADD. Is that a sex thing? What is this? BC? BC? Before Christ? Meets ADD? Attention deficit disorder? What does that mean? It means that the fat guy 
one of the Archer or Armstrong. <laughs> Either Archer or Armstrong. I think it's Armstrong. <laughs> okay. Is an immortal and he's like a Oh, got it. He's an irresponsible like Hercules type except All without right. the super strength. I'm with you. A little slow on the update here. Sorry. The, cre- <laughs> the creative team on this one is Incredible Hercules' Fred Van Lenty. And art by Clayton Henry. I love all those creative teams. I love all those creative teams, too. And the Hardbringer thing sounds really cool. I know. I Valiant... <laughs> it sounds fun. Valiant has done a really good job promoting this relaunch, and I am very excited to read all these books. I'm super excited. And they've got a bunch of great, really talented guys. Fred Van Lenty... I'm, I'm frankly quite impressed at the level of creators is they've got on these books. weird that Fred Van Lenty is doing this? Is it? I don't think he's exclusive. He's not, is he not? Fred Van Lenty is still doing Marvel work. He's got an upcoming Black Widow ongoing series yeah, launching. Yeah, I guess they never said he was exclusive. So, so. But this is really impressive. Sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I again, very excited. Every week, Valiant cracking Twitter in half and really getting people pumped up. Good I'm, work, guys. I don't remember the last time I cared about Valiant. I'm excited. 1992. Another Golden Age legend has passed away, Sheldon Moldoff, co-creator of classic Batman characters like Poison Ivy and Batmite, died this week at age He's 91. Classic. He is classic. Lovingly called Shelly by his friends in the industry, the artist began his long career in comics at the age of 17. Moldoff was the last surviving contributor to Action Comics number one. I did not know that. Yeah. You and, know, the Superman story is only like six pages well, long. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other <laughs> stuff in there. And was one of the artists responsible for laying the groundwork of what would become the DC Universe. He introduced the world to Jay Garrick with his cover of Flash Comics number one, provided the art for the first appearance of Hawkgirl in All-Star Comics number five and allegedly gave EC publisher William Gaines the inspiration to create Tales from the Crypt. Most notably, Shelley served as one of Bob Kane's infamous ghost artists for many years, drawing page after page of Batman art without any credit whatsoever. When news of Moldoff's passing hit, DC co-publishers Dan DiDio and Jim Lee released the following statement, When you think of Golden Age comics, you think of the work of Sheldon Moldoff. His early drawings of Green Lantern, Flash, and most especially Hawkman set the tone for these bold new heroes. Throughout his career, Sheldon Moldoff made a lasting contribution to the comic book industry and what would later become the DC Universe. We salute the career and legacy of one of the greats, but we've restarted the universe and a lot of everything he did is gone. Hey, listen. <laughs> that wasn't part of the quote. <laughs> We're not turning this into that. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying. He had a, a very long and lasting impact on the industry, not just the DC Universe. It's a, it's a, just a damn shame that history is so poorly kept of this stuff because like we get like, as the story goes, according to EC well, Comics, you know, he gave it, you know, like that. I just wish someone would have been, you know, keeping track. Well, yeah, some people poor think, guy. Some people think that like when he was ghosting a uh, Bob Kane on uh, Detective Comics, that DC didn't know about it. But other people say, of course, DC like knew Bob about was it. slipping in some cash. Yeah, and so hail. you know, it was a different time. There was no internet, but it is a shame. Is back when Bob Kane was cross dressing and stepping out with male prostitutes, is that right? Well, it could have been because <laughs> nobody was who, keeping records. No one of it. was keeping track. So there is your story, folks. And, and there's our loving memorial to Sheldon Shelley. Moldoff. As only THN can do it. And finally, dust off your formal wear and polish your dancing shoes. We're heading for a wedding. <laughs> This week, Marvel released a save-the-date teaser image for Marjorie Liu and Mike Perkins' Astonishing X-Men. When I first read this, I thought Marjorie Liu was marrying Mike Perkins. <laughs> I read it in a hurry. Marjorie Liu is married to Daniel Way. Good for those kids. I, mean, I didn't know that. I don't know. <laughs> this is for Astonishing X-Men number 51 coming in June. Now, no other details were available, but given the X-Men that Liu has chosen for her Astonishing team, I am totally comfortable calling my shot. 
North Star is getting gay married. <laughs> Matt Bomb, I know that you are a big fan of half-elf pro skier superheroes. I love him. What is your take on this teaser? And do you think Marvel is feeling the sting of Archie Comics beating them to the punch? When I first read this, I was... Okay, first of all, I love North Star and Aurora. Love them. When I first read that you thought North Star was getting married, I was like, no way. Come but on. But there is no one else on this team that could possibly be getting married, right? Yeah, well, uh, who and else is Wolverine, I think Pixie, and they introduced his boyfriend in the latest. Oh, he's been around for years. Yeah, that, well, I mean, they sort of brought him back into the. Well, story yeah, he was in, in the Alpha latest Flight Alpha Mini. Flight Mini. Well, series that turned into a mini and then got canceled. His name is Kyle. <laughs> uh, I love it. I think it. I, you know, I love it. Whenever superheroes get married and they have a wedding issue, I love all the guest stars and crap. I, I hope. It, I hope they play it completely straight. Yeah. No pun intended. Like, <laughs> and oh, that it is like a traditional superhero wedding. He's gonna have to get married in Canada <laughs> or Massachusetts. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I want. I want. Uh, Actually, no. Well, the X Men are in San Francisco. Oh, and, and New York. There you go. <laughs> so, but I want it to be a traditional style wedding and I want super villains to show up and crash oh absolutely you have I want everybody there in costume absolutely oh I can't wait that is the big news for this week if you'd like to discuss these stories or anything else we missed hit us up on our Facebook page where Joe and I have been hosting a fierce discussion on gay mutant rights where recently GOP presidential hopeful Rick Santorum asked where do we draw the line what if North Star wants to marry Ace the Bat Hound or Metron's Mobius chair? Should that be allowed? I think he's missing the point. Invalid, Rick Santorum. Those are different universes. I think he's totally missing the point. Before we move on, it's tweet time at THN. You've got to read the tweet. You have to ask me for a tweet. Hey, Joe Patrick, I am asking you for a tweet. Casually and completely unscripted. Oh, what is happening? <laughs> In response to our question of the week from last episode, Brian wants to know what was the worst Super Team versus Super Team series we've read. I know this totally doesn't count, but I think the idea of uh, Star Trek versus X-Men is about the dumbest thing ever. What about the current Star Trek versus the Legion of Superheroes? That's pretty dumb, too, but I love it because it's the <laughs> Legion of Superheroes. At least both of those teams exist in the future, sort of. My answer is JLA versus Avengers. The, no! It was so damn dumb. It, it was, was not. stupid. Nothing happened. It was... <laughs> what do you mean nothing happened? Nothing Lots happened. of stuff happened. They set it up as a gigantic world's clapping together type thing, and then, oh, never mind, everything's fine in the end. They sewed it all up. Well, yeah, because it's an intercompany crossover. Stupid. No, it I. you sucked. are wrong. You're it wrong. Sucked. And we had this argument when it came out. Everybody, I love oh, JLA versus George Avengers. Perez is going to show all you suckers how comic books are written. <laughs> it was it was a total throwback. It, it was it sucked. Thrown into a competition, forced to fight against each other. Dumb. Great art. It was super cosmic. Oh, a cliched gladiatorial battle. That's how they got it, huh? Cool. <sighs> Never read anything like that before. Stop it. Dumb. You're wrong. Review time is a happy time at THN where Matt and I love every comic we read. Every single one. We've never given a bad review. Never. Matt, tell us about a comic that made you a happy little nerd this week. This week, I read Green Arrow 7 from DC, written by Anne Nocenti, with art by Harvey Tolabau. There you go. Who my iPad constantly wants to correct his last name to, Taliban, which I thought was interesting. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Go figure. Anne Nascenti wrote some of my favorite Daredevil comics back in the 1980s, and during her tenure, she's written just about every Marvel character you can think of. This marks her triumphant return to comics, and some of the first DC stuff she's written in a very, very long time. Yeah, she. last thing I remember is... Uh prestige format miniseries with Batman and Catwoman by Ethan Van Sky. I, I don't even remember that. Yeah. Long time ago. It was just reprinted. She's been a very polarizing writer in her time, but I've always enjoyed what she brought to her books and the fact that she was never afraid to challenge her readers. I was really excited when I heard that she was going to be writing Green Arrow. And if her challenge to me here was to make me hate one of my favorite DC characters, well, she did it. It worked. Twist. (laughs) What a twist. From page one, we get Oliver Queen on the roof of Queen Industries narrating to speaking aloud to himself, talking about how he hates his job, he hates his stupid memos, he hates having to go to meetings and stuff, and how come I can't just be Green Arrow instead of Ollie Queen? He's like a petulant 15-year-old Batman. It And the dialogue is horrible. Absolutely horrible. Think of it is just the most cliched, macho, not even Hollywood dialogue you can think of. Not to mention he's having a conversation with himself. I can't make it a thought bubble. What happened to thought bubbles? I mean, really? You know, you can do this. You can pull off this kind of info dump in a thought bubble, uh, and it'll work. If if you think that thought bubbles are out of date, the device of having a character speak out loud while he's alone... Yeah, tell me, this is like from is, the 50s. It's way you know? out of date. When Lois finds out what I was doing, she sure is going to be angry. You know, like, just dumb. <laughs> this is totally out of character, and all that was missing was an obligatory dude at the end of his lines. She seems to be going for this, this Tony Stark via Robert Downey Jr. vibe, but it doesn't work for a character this young and a character that is so bad at his job. Tony Stark is an amazing weapons designer. Oliver Queen appears to be an asshole that runs a billion dollar company and hates doing his job. She introduces us to the Skylarks, who are a group of gorgeous triplets that are not only whiz kid inventors, but they also have the cliched and stupid device of finishing each other's sentences. It was dumb when Tomax and Zaymont did it back in G.I. Joe. No, it wasn't. It's even worse now. Not to mention the fact they're totally sexy and not afraid to use their female charms to the point of complete ditzy female caricature. And I get it. That's what she was going for. She was trying to show us that they're using their sex appeal to get one over on this macho idiot. But this is Green Arrow. He's not a macho idiot. I get it. He's young, but he would have to be absolutely stupid to fall for the this. The problem is not with their plan. The problem is with the fact that Ollie is like all in. It's just absolutely dumb. This is as cliched as superhero comic as I've read in a long time. The cheesy characters. There's a bed in the private jet. There's absolutely nothing to like about the main character he's dumb he's macho he's not good at his job he's not good at being a superhero this is exactly what's wrong with the relaunch they took a fantastic character and they changed him just to change him there's no character growth here there's nothing new with the character he's young he's brash to the point of stupidity and like several other relaunch characters he's completely over designed thanks smallville tolabo's art is hard to look at here and i like harvey tolabo i've seen things he's done that i really enjoy i have to wonder if this was rushed he goes from complete it did look rushed to me. it looked very rushed it goes from completely overdrawn splash pages to these poorly paneled fight scenes with an occasional point of view that was so 
so weird. I had to look at it for a long time before I could even figure out what was going on. There is no emotion on any of the faces. The proportions appear to be off in some panels. This was not a good performance by Harvey Tolabao. Every panel here is cluttered and overcrowded. It looked like he was trying to do a Kenneth Roquefort impersonation, but he is not Kenneth Roquefort. Kenneth Roquefort can get away with that. DC may have ruined Green Arrow before this new creative team came on, but it seems like they're doing their best to ruin it even more. I cannot give this a bigger leave it. Yeah, I agree. I almost did not make it through this issue. I texted Matt with like five pages to go saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I was just shocked. I could not believe it. It was so hard to read. And I was on board. I was prepared to love it. And uh, there was no baggage from the previous creative team weighing me down. I was ready to go in and enjoy the heck out of it and and be turned around on the new green arrow and it was the opposite. Yeah. I have to get, I I'm not as down on all the elements as Matt is, but I have to give this book a huge leave it as well. Joe, tell us about something good that was read this week, please. My pick for the week was Superbia number 1 from Boom Studios, written by Grace Randolph with art by Russell Dowderman and colors by Gabriel Casada. Here is your solicit from Diamond. What goes down when the capes come off? Meet the real housewives of Earth's greatest super team, the Meta Legion. It's the egos, the tantrums, and the betrayals of the superset. Find out what happens behind the masks as superhero families are faced with the sordid problems of everyday life, and then some. Hey-o. This series takes the familiar super team and turns it on its head with a scandalous TMZ-fueled look at wish what could... it's like to live with a superhero. I totally wish we could get the Bravo guy to read this. <laughs> Watch what happens, you know? Now, the solicit here did not excite me in the least. No, I thought it was going to be terrible. I read the words Real Housewives and lost all interest. And so the only reason I picked it up is because I was expecting a train wreck. Now, the actual title of this book is Grace Randolph's Superbia, which made it sound like Randolph was a name I should recognize. Right. Turns out she's all over the internet and not for the bad reasons. Uh, Our listeners may know her, (laughs) or good reasons depending on your cup of tea, I suppose. Uh, Our listeners may know her as one of the hosts of The Watcher video series on Marvel.com. Quick aside, when I googled Grace Randolph's name to find out more about her, I found a link to her resume, and under a special skill she listed reasonably good athlete. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And revealed that she had attended space camp. I'm not hiring anyone unless they're a reasonably good athlete. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Now, the cover by Ale Garza does not do the book any favors. Mm. I am not a fan of that man. Yeah, especially when the interior art was so good. I know. I was really, really <laughs> pleased to find that Superbia Number 1 is a fun first issue, and it has got really great art. And we don't like to slam artists on this, but I don't get the Ale Garza thing. I, I'm just going to stop at saying I I'm not a fan. I don't I'm not get a fan it. of his style. Now, this book, like a lot of others, uses analogs of superhero archetypes uh, so you have your Superman character, your Batman, etc. And of course, there's the familiar indie twist of throwing the Batman and the Robin characters into a gay relationship. hey But uh, Randolph doesn't leave it there. She twists those tropes even farther in a way that I found really compelling. Um, the the Batman character's named Night Fox, and he's actually married, so he was cheating on his wife with his yeah. sidekick. And she's the business manager. And, Teenage sidekick. Well, you know. <laughs> she ha- is the business manager of his brand, and she's turned him into this kind of 
business icon, and so his face is on all the products. But nobody knows who he is. Uh, like this- they don't know who he actually is. And she, you know, there's a panel. She, she, he's like, you can't out me and whatever. She's like, I could put anyone I want in this suit. I am the face of the business. You're the secret right, superhero. Right, right. But I mean, his friends know who he is. Yeah. But, the, uh, but that was a great. He, he's replaceable. Yeah, that was a great and, line. So all throughout the book, there's like mugs and soda pop with his face yeah. on it, which I thought was a nice yeah. touch. Um, and there's also like the Wonder Woman character is ultra super feminist and yeah. like neglects her son. So much so that she won't like talk to her husband <laughs> so as an equal. <laughs> it's got those twists, but she twists it even farther. She doesn't leave it in the familiar. There are some really great moments. Uh, Sovereign, who is the Superman analog, is zoning out at a party because he's having more fun eavesdropping on the Pope and all of his dirty dealings. I don't know dealings. that he was having fun. I think well, he's just like, the way they build him is like he's so fun's the wrong lost word. in his job he's like a, that he's like Superman who's losing himself. He's, who's he's just, definitely broken. He's just become a cause and that's all he is. You know? Yeah, and so basically he's doing these things just to feel something. So rather than right. engaging with these people that are supposed to be his friends. He's also sleeping with one of his arch enemies. Who he, a reformed. Yeah, she's on parole. Reformed arch enemies. But the, good, the excellent twist there is that the reason reason she's able to be there with him is that basically he snaps his fingers and the government gives him whatever he wants Pretty because much. he's Superman. <laughs> yeah. The art by Russell Dowderman is really, really good. It's perfect for this type of book. He's got a great cartoony, but not too cartoony uh, style. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not remarkable, but it really works. Yes. Here. Well, <laughs> That's that sounds bad. It, no, it no, is no. a very distinct style, um, but it's not so cartoony that right. it's distracting. The colors by Casada complement the art perfectly. It's a really good looking book. Now there are a lot of characters in this book and a lot going on, and it's just a four issue mini. So it's going to be interesting to see how Randolph handles telling a complete story with a cast this big in just four issues. But. I'm on board. I liked it. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I'm giving Superbia number one a buy it. I really enjoyed it as well. You know what it reminded me of? Uh, Jay Farber's uh, Noble, Noble Causes. Noble Causes, yeah, absolutely. Totally That's a really it, like, good point. It tickled my Noble Causes bone that I haven't had tickled for a while. I really enjoyed it. Gross. I, yeah, a lot of bone. <laughs> I thought it was great. I'm giving it a huge buy it. It was a total surprise. I've never heard of this writer. Considering I, how much it had going against it, yes. I was very, very pleasant. It, it seems kind of like a ham fisted premise, but it totally worked. Huge buy it for me as well. Who break your heart and poor girls who take your money? I confess and I repent for the things I done. My soul is bad. So that is a double leave it for Green Arrow number seven and a huge double buy it for Superbia number one. As always, we want to know what you dudes and lady dudes thought of these comics, so let us know how spiteful and irresponsible our reviews were over at our Facebook page. Now join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be freebasing fragments of Kristar, the Crystal Warrior, cooked down in the distilled tears of former Indianapolis Colts quarterback Peyton Manning, which will enable us to peer into the future of next week's comics. Joe, breathe deep and tell us what the smoke makes you see. My pick for next week is Saga, number one by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. That's Brian K. Period Vaughn. Brian <laughs> K. Period Vaughn. Capital V Vaughn. There are a few things I enjoy more than a comic book written by Brian Vaughn. Yes. And it's been way, 
way too long. And the only reason you got this one was because you called it, like, last Tuesday. Hey, <laughs> I'm on top of things. Total bull****. <laughs> Matt, tell me your pick. Saucer Country, number one, by Paul Cornell and Ryan Kelly. This is the story of Arcadia Alvarado, the leading Democrat candidate for President of the United States. She's dealing with an alcoholic ex, immigration reform, budget cuts, and on top of it all, she's been abducted by aliens. Oh no. Just as she's about to throw in her bid for the presidency, she realizes she not only wants to be president, she has to be president. Dun, dun, dun. What will happen? Weird vertigo fun from Paul Cornell. This one sounds way out of left field and only possible in a comic book. I love it. show, we sent B.A. and Murdoch to the junkyard in search of two jet engines while DJ and I smoked cigars and drew up schematics. Now, it's time to break out the welding gear and mount these puppies on the THN GMC Bandura and make our subsonic getaway while spraying non-lethal machine gun fire at faceless enemies, all the while reviewing ten comics in the ludicrous speed round. I love it when a plan comes together. Ludicrous speed! Go! Manhattan Projects, number one! Now, if I really have to tell you that the new image project from Jonathan Hickman is, and Nick Batara is completely awesome, then you have not been listening. I thought the art was a little weird. Anything we've said over the last year, no, I loved the art. Really? That was a little weird. This is another mind-bending series from Hickman, and yes, John, I do think he's the best sci-fi comic writer of our time. Buy it! Night Force, number one! Kind of ham-fisted dialogue. This is Tom Mandrake and Marv Wolfman writing a comic in the very old-fashioned DC horror comic style. Not much happens. I didn't really care about this at all. They had a chance to do a great occult title in the spirit of BPRD, but they slipped right back into very old, kind of boring DC territory. I'm saying leave it. Nah, I'm giving it a skim it. Ah, I'll read the next one. You're a baby. Ferris, number one! This is the latest spinoff of Bill Willingham's Fable series, and I really like this first issue. It's got really great art by Phil Jimenez, who we just don't see enough of these days. Yeah, man, where has he been? He's slow. There are a lot of mentions of past Fable's continuity, though, so new readers may have to work a little harder, but still... It ties directly in, right? This, like, spins out of something that happened in Fables 107. No, 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 no. It's way old. It's harkening back to way old storylines. But it was still great. I'm giving it a buy it. Age of Apocalypse number one. I feel like I just read this story in Uncanny X-Force, but I was still a little lost. I did get Latore's art, but I think it might work better on a street-level crime or martial arts book. But by the end of the story, it just totally worked for me. It came together, and suddenly, I really liked it. I like the Exterminated. I like the scary take on Daredevil. I really like Prophet. He's awesome. Buy it. I can't wait to read more of this. Avengers of Children Crusade number nine. I don't know what I was expecting. Tell us everything that happened in the Children's Crusade in less than 30 seconds. Go! I don't know what was I was expecting, but after two years of waiting, this finale was just okay. Uh, it might be the delays, but it didn't end on the exciting note I was hoping for, especially considering it was supposed to help set the stage for Avengers vs. X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, Yo, you're never going to believe what happens yeah. at the end of this. And still, it was another great character piece by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung. I'm giving it a buy it, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't hoping for something bigger. Beyond the Fringe, number one. This is a collection of short comics that were first digitally printed, the first of which was written by Pacey from Dawson's Creek, who's also the main character on Fringe. You're not missing anything here if you haven't caught up on Fringe, because I'm not caught up on Fringe, and I'm pretty sure they weren't <laughs> traveling at the time of the dinosaurs and stuff this season. <laughs> right. So it got a little wackadoo. It's, yeah, it's- 
beyond the fringe. Yeah, I noticed. It got a little wackadoo, but it wasn't bad. The art was pretty good. It really looked like they did on the show. I can only give it a skim it. You probably don't need to read this one. Action Comics, number seven. We're back to the main story after that weird little two-issue interlude, and thank God. Uh, the young Superman discovers who he is and where he came from, and he graduates out of that silly t-shirt. Uh, the art by Rags Morales is still looking a little bit hit and miss, which is weird considering all the extra time he had to finish it. I didn't think it was that bad. I, I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it wasn't up to his usual high standards. Fair enough. I still, though, I loved it. I thought it was really great. I'm giving it a strong buy it. Defenders number four. Michael Lark gets the art duties here, and it worked Michael very Lark. well for this story about Doctor Strange's weird mystic love triangle. I love this comic. It took a little bit to grow on me. I love where it's at. I love the way Fraction writes Strange. I like how human he is. There's this great last page here. I really enjoy this book. Huge buy it. Swamp Thing number seven. If you didn't consider Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing to be a horror comic before now, <laughs> man, Alec Holland finally embraces his destiny and Swamp Thing is back. And it's about damn time. It's wonderful. There's terrifying art. Terrifying art by Yannick Paquette. I didn't know he had it in him. This issue is going to stick with me for a really long while. I'm giving it a buy it. Hell yeah, number one. Glory writer Joe Keating, or Keating, gives us this story of the next generation of image superheroes, but they seem to have nothing to do with the current or relaunched superheroes. I think this would have worked a little better had they tied it in to, like, the extreme heroes or something like something we recognize. They just sort of picked a brand new group of heroes that existed. I know, I just think it would have worked better had they done it that way. Still, I dug it. Good art, believable dialogue for teenagers. I'm saying buy it. I just would have liked to have seen it tied in a little closer I don't, to the real universe. I don't think they're supposed to tie into the but image they could universe. Do it it's its own glory. thing. Why not do it? <laughs> you know, I just want to see it. It was good. Buy it. Kapow, asshole. That's the ludicrous speed round. And wow. kapow, asshole, is what Ben, the star of Hell Yeah, yells when he's punching a mouthy bouncer's lights out as seen in this week's issue of Hell Yeah, number one. Time for you nerds to pick our two-headed brain in our monthly segment we like to call Ask a Nerd. Or Ask a Nerd. This week, Anthony writes via Facebook, ignoring previous crossovers, who in the DCU do you think could lift Thor's hammer? This is a discussion we just had last week, as a matter of fact. We did? Yes, we were talking about... You and I? Yes, I was making a case for why I didn't think Superman would be able to lift it. Tell me why. Because it's magic, and dude is allergic to magic. Yep. He's allergic to magic if yeah. it hits him in the face. No, 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 no. I think he goes to pick it up, and like his lips get all puffy, and his tongue itches. <laughs> and he gets like hives on the inside when of the When he's standing next to the Zatanna, he doesn't break out. He's kind of bitchy, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Anthony says ignoring previous crossovers, but really, I think Superman can lift Mjolnir. Superman can lift Thor's hammer. Uh, Captain Marvel, also. Oh, Captain Marvel Absolutely. can definitely lift I'm Thor's hammer. Billy Batson can lift Thor's hammer. I know. <laughs> like, Billy Batson. Is it so does still hard. weigh a little. For for the record, for those of you who don't know, the whole thing with Thor's hammer is there's a big inscription on it, and it says, "Whosoever holds this hammer, right. if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor." And to be worthy, you have to be pure of heart. You have to be a hero for the sake of being a hero you know you, you gotta have be humility as, you gotta be as good as Thor right so right. who else let's go to <laughs> Batman no. Make a case for Batman. Batman cannot lift too scary hand. I think Batman is I'm with not you. pure of heart I don't think Batman can lift either I think he's too nuts I think he's too scary I think Thor's hammer would be like this dude <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Woman 
I think Wonder Woman could lift Thor's hammer. I think Wonder Woman can. The Flash. No. Why? Well, here's the thing. I Wally. No. Really? No, because Wally, I mean... It's not like he's ever murdered anybody or I mean like Well, the idea of worthiness is very subjective yeah. in the in the Marvel universe. I feel like Wally's a pretty altruistic guy. Well, they're all altruistic, altruistic. They're heroes. Yeah. But they're also all fallible. I will say that in DC, the characters are much more, I don't know, aw shucks. Aw <laughs> uh, shucksy. Aw uh, shucksy? Or at least they were at once upon a time. That's the worst damn adjective I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, the characters are more iconic and... and um, Hal Jordan. Almost fairy tale like as opposed to Marvel, which was rooted in like real world. Hal Jordan. I'm no. saying no. No. He's too, selfish. Yeah. Too much of a prick. Yep. Guy Gardner. Definitely not. I'm saying Guy Gardner can. Oh my God. Yes, because it's all... <laughs> we've seen it time and time again. It's all a show. All the ego and the rant and rave. It's all, he's a good guy. We need to he's shut this conversation good guy, down. And at the end of the day, he's probably one of the best of them. He's just like too much of a tough guy to admit it. You know, I'm saying Guy Gardner can lift Thor's hammer. Fair enough. And it would be a shocking panel. We go, oh my God. He's a totally great guy. I can't believe it. All this time. Hey, listen, I love Guy Gardner, so if you want to say he can lift Thor's hammer, I'm all for it. Who else? Dick Grayson. Uh Nightwang. (laughs) Nightwang? Nightwang. (laughs) I don't think so. I think he can. I think Dick Grayson is Batman if Batman was all there. He's the best part of We're Batman. We're to the point now where you think everyone in the Justice no, League no, no, can lift no. the hammer. No, 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 I'm just saying. I'm, I'm saying Dick Grayson can because he was like the side that ke- he was the innocence that kept Batman grounded, that like kept him from going nuts. He's the good guy. Dick Grayson never lost himself. Dick Grayson never had the whole should I kill? Should I not kill? Dick Grayson never went back and forth. We've never seen Dick Grayson go nuts. We've seen Batman go nuts every goddamn month. You know. All right, I've got one for you. Right. I've got one for you to wrap it up. One that I don't think you'll think of. You know who I think can lift Thor's hammer? Aquaman. Starfire. What? And you know why? Because she's a slut? No, because she (laughs) is all... Like, what you see is what you get. She's pure of heart. She's got no malice. She's got no... uh, There's no, like, subtext in anything she says. I'll give you that. She says what she means. She's good-hearted. Sure. And she's a hero. I'm saying, Worthy. Aquaman can do it too. No. But the, the king of Atlantis. No way, man. Kings have to make hard choices. Of course he do. And sometimes people get hurt. Thor has to make hard choices and sometimes people get hurt and he spins that thing around like it's nothing. Mm-mm. Oh, come on. Sorry. I'm saying Aquaman can do it. Well, this conversation has been ridiculous. <laughs> That's what this time is for. <laughs> that was fun. Thank you for the bitchin' question, Anthony. That was fun. That was way better than any of the banter you will ever see on Comic Book Man, I'd like to add. <laughs> If you want to try and stump Joe Patrick or you just have a nerdy question to ask us, email us at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. And even if we don't read it on the show, there are two that we are going to answer this weekend that are not getting rid of the show. One is about proper comic book storage. I felt that might not be exciting enough for the air. And I said, this is a comic book show, and people are interested no in offense, comic book things. No offense to Dude Man, but we are going to answer it. The point is, we're going to answer it. In all fairness, even Dude Man said it was probably not a good question all for right. the show. Thank you, Dude Man. Sort of break it, break it down like this. That is it for the Two-Headed Nerd comic cast. Coming up is my favorite part of the year, the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. No, not St. Patrick's Day. We get drunk whenever we feel like it. We don't need no excuse. This year, we'll be inviting all of the friends of the show to compete in the first annual THN March Madness 
bracket challenge where you too can kick the hell out of a sports nerd like me, just like my wife does every year by randomly picking teams you've <laughs> never heard of. Because I think Gonzaga is a funny word. Exactly. The winner of which will walk away with the first official THN no prize. Details on the prize are yet to come. It's just also un- no prize TM copyright Marvel <laughs> Entertainment. <laughs> it's just another reason for you to subscribe to our show on iTunes and while you're there, leave us a star rating or even a short written review. Man, sounds like somebody just volunteered for a whole lot of organizational That's right, work. Buddy. Start picking your teams. Huge thanks to all of our donors, and if you'd like to keep us in good standing with the offshore casino that takes our sports bets, you can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at twoheadednerd.com. Let me tell you what, those Chinese guys, they break legs with fury. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, twoheadednerd.gmail.com and you can beg for reading suggestions from the comic pushers who'll be taking long, slow rips off the TH and water bomb and slinging comics next week and keep your THN mascot art coming for the official THN mascot contest that's a lot of damn hands <laughs> if that's not enough for you head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week all these valiant solicitations got our brains are working and we want to know your solicitation your idea for the ninjack relaunch I challenge you to make Ninjack cool. Write up a short treatment, post it on our Facebook page. Suckers. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Tony Wright and the guys at Champion City Comics who just finished their first graphic novel, Dr. Death vs. the Zombie. You should all check it out immediately after listening to this. Go to championcitycomics.com. Word to you crazy kids. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. While editing the show this week, word came down that Mobius, one of the true and legendary masters of comic art of our time, passed away. So we wanted to dedicate this week's show to you, Mobius. You drew one of the most amazing Silver Surfer comics I've ever read in my life. Thank you for everything you gave us. We'll miss you.